Welcome to Chase Family Church. You're about to hear a message from one of our Sunday mornings, and we pray that God would bless it to you and to your family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I actually came first here, met Vicky before I went to Cameroon. Uh, I came here three years running, that was in the summer, to, uh, to make sense of the speakers by translating them into German. I'm a German speaker. I'm, I'm in, I, I, I studied German, so I'm not a native German speaker, but I could translate, and I translated Ken into German. I made, him, made sense of him in German for the first time. Uh, <laughs> I could tran- come and translate him into English one day. But uh, no, and Ken m- married us. Uh, he did the wedding for us, and uh, Andrew Ray was the best man. It was a wonderful wedding. Uh, we thank God for all the love we've received here, and uh, all the years of support we had when we were in Cameroon, and the prayer. I remember the church praying for Vicky. There was one day when the church, when Vicky was with um, uh, what was hepatitis, wasn't it? Hep- and malaria, she was really down and uh, she was yellow and it was one of those situations where it would have taken weeks to get better. And the church here was praying and felt a real burden and uh, prayed. And of course in those days we didn't have a phone, did we? And uh, letters took two weeks, there was no internet, so it was only later that we could communicate that it was the same night the church prayed that Vicky was healed. It was a work of God. So she got up the next morning bright, absolutely well, and set about cleaning the house. And uh, <laughs> Well, great to be with you. I want to share with you a, um, uh, a word from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8. It's a, uh, a short miracle, a short description of a great miracle that Jesus did. Um, it's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. It's just four verses. I'm going to read a few more verses. Um, let me read, read these verses. Verse 1. When he, Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes, thousands of people probably, We know there were often thousands around him. Thousands of people followed him. And then, behold, a shock. A leper approached. And they could see him coming. He came. He fell down at the feet of Jesus and worshipped him. That word worship in the Greek means to kiss your hand towards it's a lovely word, to kiss. And he, it's, it's his word of love. He worshipped him. And he said to him, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. Then Jesus shocked the crowd again because you couldn't touch a leper, but he put out his hand And touched him. 
You couldn't touch a leper because you'd become unclean. But he touched him and said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately. His leprosy was cleansed. And uh, if you've ever seen a leper, I've seen lepers on, on the, in, in hospital, different places. I've seen them on begging on the streets. I've seen people with their faces disfigured and uh, awful, the awful effects of leprosy. And he, but this man's face was restored. He was cleansed. It was a visible, instant miracle. And I can hear the, the crowd's sharp intake of breath when he touched him. And I can even uh, an even bigger, sh sharper intake of breath when, when the leprosy was gone. Jesus said to him, because everybody's looking at this. And Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anybody. <laughs> don't tell anybody. <laughs> Don't tell him. Just, just keep it quiet. Don't tell anyone. I can hear the man saying, "No, I won't." And I don't know what the man's reaction was. He wasn't one. You know, the Brits are very, um, you know, strained and quiet. But this man was not a Brit. He was Hallelujah! I think he was shouting. You know, but he was. But the crowd probably shouting. But anyway, here he is. Show yourself. Jesus said, "Go your way." Show yourself to the priest. Just go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And that's the miracle. If you go on down, uh, he does another miracle, heals the centurion servant by a word. He just speaks a word. He wasn't present to heal, to touch. He just spoke a word and half a mile away, let's say, the servant was healed. Then in verse 14, another miracle. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever, burning up with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her. She arose and served them. Verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. Many, many cases, many people troubled, and he spoke a word, and they were free. He healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 53, verse 4. He said, Isaiah said, He himself, Messiah, took our infirmities and carried our sicknesses. So that's the miracle. Let me just tell you a bit about this miracle. Well, let's look at, First thing, the context. 
When you look at the context of this miracle, you've got this moment, it says at the very beginning of it, when he had come down the mountain. So you ask yourself, well, what, what, what mountain was that? Well, the answer is that it's chapters 5, 6, and 7. Um, it's the longest sermon that he ever preached. I don't know what the longest sermon you've ever preached is, Ken. Any memories of that? Maybe Bob would tell us, but you know. Uh, uh, <clears throat> but I, you know, you think of the longest sermon. I think when Jesus preached, nobody wanted him to stop. I think to to hear those words, because you know preachers do preach too long, and so, but not Jesus. And every word, lifting the people and giving illumination and a, a wonder. The word of God is amazing. I'm a preacher. It's my calling. But I also know that actually there's only one preacher. That's the Holy Spirit. And I can't touch your heart. I might have stories that could bring your tears to your eyes. I could, I could have tricks. I could show videos. I could, I could get you know special. I could do all kinds. But that's not the Holy Spirit necessarily. There's only one who can touch the heart. I actually bring nothing to this meeting except myself. I'm nothing. The only one who can do anything here today is the Holy Spirit, bringing the power of God to our hearts. But I believe that's what happens when Christ is exalted and his word is spoken and his people gather, the Holy Spirit moves. It's our hope. And it's the miracle, it's the wonder of the the Bible that there's something coming through. Well, Jesus spoke for... I don't know how many hours he was up that mountain, the crowd sitting round him, and transported into another world. And I'm convinced that when he spoke, people believed they could do what he said. They may not have understood how, but they believed this is possible. Because Jesus speaks and what he says happens. He's, that's what we have in this miracle. He speaks and it happens. There's some astonishing uh, words about Jesus Christ in the Bible um, that he upholds everything by the word of his power. The whole universe, everything is upheld by Jesus Christ. He is the exact expression of God's character. He is God. He is worshipped by millions of angels. He is greater than all the angels. He is greater than he is God himself in human form when we see him in these chapters. So there he is up the mountain. What's he talking about? Well, if I if I if I if I were to really sum up the and do justice to it, it would be my longest sermon <laughs> because there's so much in these three chapters. But let me just give you three titles for them. Chapter five. Moral excellence. Jesus talks about, in chapter 5, moral power. Moral excellence. Spiritual moral purity. Chapter 5. Chapter 6, he talks about the spiritual center of the kingdom, prayer. That's chapter 6. 
Then chapter 7, he talks about how to know with full assurance that you will go to heaven when you die. Now those three questions, those three things, how to be morally clear and pure in your life, how to know how to pray and, ha- and approach God and have a relationship with God, and how to know you're going to go to heaven when you die. I think those must be the three most important questions in the universe. Wouldn't you want to go and hear God talk to you about that? Well, read those, read those uh, chapters if you like. They're there in those chapters. So he's preaching in these three chapters and the people are listening and they're carried away and they're amazed. And of course they would have been convicted, they would have been touched. And, but faith rising, Jesus is amazing. And then he comes down the mountain, and that's where we find him in chapter 8, verse 1. He comes down the mountain, great crowds following him. He's at the head of a great crowd of people, rejoicing, happy, touched. And then as they come down the mountain, the leper comes. Now the leper, um, we don't know how far he's come. He's seeking Jesus He's coming because he believes he can find help. He says that. Uh, He knows there's something God can do for him. And so this great crowd now is, is meeting this leper, this one man. And as they look at him, they realize that the leper is the complete contradiction of everything that's been being taught up that mountain. It's a bit like if I were, you know, if I, if, if, if I had a, a, a friend, you know, um, uh, um, uh, if uh, Gareth Southgate were my close friend, and we did a football, we did a football training uh, in the park afterwards, wouldn't it be pop? there'd be... Th- Hundreds come, I guess. Thousands come. And we'd really taught them. I do the first lecture on football. I know absolutely nothing about football. But, you know, I did taught people how to, you know, you, you use your feet. That's the first thing. <laughs> I could teach you that and, and other things. But the thing is, we could do this tremendous seminar on football. And when we finished, up comes a guy who's in a wheelchair. And he says, well, what about me? What's, what, 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 what can you teach me? And of course, we can't, we can't do anything for him. And that's similar to here in this chapter. He is this man who says, look, all that teaching is great, but what about me? And this is the point. That the meeting with the leper is exactly on cue. Because all that teaching means nothing to you and me. All the teaching of the, all the, 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 the spiritual and moral challenge of the New Testament, the Bible, is, is, it mocks us unless God can heal us. God can change us. Because if he can't change us, we can't do anything. We can't pray. We can't, we can't have moral excellence. We can't, 
We can't do it. We can't keep God's word unless God does something in us. Because, okay, this guy was bad. He wasn't the worst one. You, you know, you go through the chapters and you find in uh, all kinds of people as you look through. But some of them are even, they, they get worse and worse until you get the demoniac, the man possessed of thousands. And then you get a man who's dead in the tomb for four, year, four days. You can't get much worse than that. But Jesus, you see, is here. He's coming. This encounter is so key because the whole point of the gospel is there's the teaching, but here's the, the miracle that makes it possible. He says, I can change your life in a moment by a word. Now look at what happened. Uh, we know that it's very simple. He said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And I love the man's approach. He's worshipping him. I, I love this because Jesus never said to people who worshipped him, don't worship me. On other occasions, um, John wanted to worship someone in, in Revelation. He wanted to worship someone. Because they were so amazing, he thought it must be God. John the Apostle thought it was God he was meeting. And the man said, no, I'm not God. I'm, I'm, don't you remember me? I'm your fellow servant. I was, a, I was a preacher with you. I was a pastor with you. You've forgotten who I am. I'm just your brother. But I'm in glory now. I'm glorified. I'm shining with the glory of God because God is glory. God will glorify us in heaven. That's going to happen. But he said, don't worship me. I'm just a fellow servant. But when, when they worship Jesus, Jesus never said, no, don't do that. They worshipped him. And in heaven, when we get to heaven, we will see the Father... And we will see the Lamb. And all around that throne will be multitudes worshipping Jesus Christ as God and Lord. Because He is eternal, infinite, immeasurable, wonderful God. Jesus Christ brings God within our reach. That's the whole point of the incarnation and the person of Jesus. He brings God within your reach. You can touch him. You can handle him. And that's, that's the whole message of the gospel. God within reach of every person. He worshipped him. He called him Lord. He said if you, he acknowledged his power. If you want to, you are a king. You can do what you want. And it's true, as we, we, we come before Jesus Christ this morning, there is nothing he cannot do. All things are possible to him. I thank God everything is possible. Because, you know, your heart can miss a beat when you, you meet people whose lives are far gone. But then you meet people, you see God. Change a person. 
It's so wonderful to be in a living church, to have living worship as we've had this morning. It's so wonderful to know that the faith is here, the Spirit is here, the love of Jesus is here. But above all else, above anointed ministers that you have here, above all these things, there is one standing in the midst who is greater than us all. And he is the one who has conquered death. He has conquered everything. And he stands amongst us in absolute total power. He is, in, he is omnipotent. Jesus Christ said, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth, including here in this room. I don't know what the address is, but it's here. Shirley Hall. There it is. All power is given unto me in heaven and in Shirley Hall. Amen. It's specific. It's your address. It's my address. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, I am willing, be cleansed. He spoke this word. And immediately the leprosy vanished. Now this is a miracle of healing. And we know there's a mystery in healing. Uh, and we, we praise God, we trust Him as the, we know that we trust God, we trust God whether He heals or He doesn't heal us. I love that testimony of the, uh, the, the, the three men thrown into the fiery furnace. They said, our God is able to deliver us. But if He doesn't, we're still, going to, we're still not going to bow down to you because He's still the living God. There's a mystery in healing. And so we're not really talking about physical healing now. We're applying this in terms of our spiritual needs. Because this is the gospel. The gospel is an absolute promise that whoever believes shall have eternal life. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, the power of God is theirs. The forgiveness of God. So when we fall at his feet and, and we're, 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 our, our hearts unclean, burdened with, with things that, what are they? What are the things that go on in our hearts? The shame, the anger, the jealousy. The self-harm, the self-hatred. The human heart is a, is, a, is a mess. Our hearts are a mess until Jesus Christ touches us. It's, it's, it's astonishing that anybody would think they don't need a saviour. You need a saviour. You need him more than you know. It's only when you fully realize how, what a mess your heart is in that you will come to him and let him touch you and change you. Jesus, this, this leper knew he needed a touch from God. And that's the point about our, uh, the, the work of the Holy Spirit. He shows us our need of, of a touch from Jesus to put our lives back on track, to get our lives in order. We need Jesus. You need Jesus. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will put that in your mind. And it will pursue you. And you'll never forget it. That the one thing you need in life is Jesus. 
He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. We need Jesus. And coming to Jesus at his feet, this is the gospel, guilt passes and is gone. The forgiveness of God. The power of God to break sin and sin's power is broken and is, and is dissolved and is gone. The gospel is that if you will surrender your life into the hands of Jesus Christ, He will change your life at that moment. There will be a change, there will be a sweetness come inside you where there was bitterness, there will be a fullness where there was emptiness. There will be a, there will be a, a desire and kindness. All the things that are, the, 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 the things of Jesus Christ are so beautiful and yet they're so normal, so personal. The greatest thing that a person can ever do in the whole eternity, in the whole universe, the greatest achievement. If you want to know what the greatest achievement, greater than an Olympic medal, greater than anything else, it's the, is to love someone. It's to love someone. That's the power of Jesus to bring us to be able to love. It, it, the, the, the human beings seek greatness in monuments and achievements in a vast scale, but they're just sandcastles. They'll just disappear. The, the next tide will take those away. But the things that last forever are love, hope, and faith. And the greatest of these is love. And of course, the greatest act of love ever was when Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross. This is the gospel. Fall at the feet of Jesus. Say, Lord, take away my guilt. Take away my shame. Take, break this power of sin, whatever it is. We could go and give a long list of sins, but I'm not going to. Just, there it is. He will take away the power of sin. Call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. My sin, your sin, gone. And the man, it, his face has changed, his body is renewed. He's, and Jesus then says to him, don't, don't tell anyone. <laughs> don't tell anyone. The man says, well, okay, okay. He says, go and... Go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So he then goes, all right, I'll go. And he goes home to his village. Don't know where it was. He goes home to his village. He's known in the village, small villages back then. They think Nazareth had about 500 people. Whatever village he was from, he goes there and he goes to the door of the priest. He knocks on the door and the priest comes to the door. And he, I don't know what the man's name was. Let's call him Reuben. He says, Reuben, is that you? And he says, yeah. What happened to you? Can't tell you. <laughs> Why? It's so obvious. 
He's changed. He was known. He was pushed out of the village. He was fed by people, taking him meals, but not having fellowship with him. Leprosy had cut this man off, and sin will cut you off. Sin will make you lonely. Sin will make you desolate. It will make you live in desolate places. It will make true friendship, true fellowship, it all begins when we let Jesus change us. So he, he's there, the priest then takes him, and let me read now from uh, Leviticus chapter 14. Let me, this is what the offering was. This is the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest. The priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper... The priest shall command to take for him, um, who is to be cleansed, two living birds. The priest shall command one of the birds be killed in an earthen pot over running water. So he goes to a stream, takes a pot, and kills a bird over the stream. Strange thing. As for the living bird, he shall take it and dip the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And then he shall sprinkle it on the leper and he'll take the living bird and release it into the, into the open field. And the bird shall fly away. Beautiful, isn't it? It's a picture of the leper. It's a picture of you and me. There we are in our sin, in our, in our darkness, and then here's a bird that is, not, is, is, is innocent and is killed over running water. I, to me, that speaks of the Holy Spirit and the cross of Calvary, that something happened on that cross and the Holy Spirit witnessing it, the living water. I see all that as one great thing that God did. That When he poured out the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes with one great purpose. To exalt Jesus and to make known his work on the cross. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves Jesus and he loves the cross and he loves to make those things known and so here we've got the unclear the leper the dipped in the blood of an innocent victim and that's the gospel it's the cross the blood dipped in the blood of the and then released and here's the leper now set free to fly in God's heaven to worship to love to be free from that dread chain of sin and guilt and loneliness and emptiness he was free and there's the, there's the miracle that's the great miracle an innocent victim this is a consistent testimony throughout the whole of scripture 
that the power of God is made available to you and me through an innocent victim. You know, when you go to the Passover, a Passover lamb was slain, an innocent victim. There's a chorus, I don't know if you know this chorus, uh, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Who would have thought that a lamb could save the Israelites from the angel of death? Who would have thought that a, a lamb is stronger than the, the, the angel of death? Who would have thought that a lamb, but an innocent victim, is the consistent testimony of Scripture? And there in Egypt, the death of that innocent lamb kept back the, the wrath, the anger, the angel of death, everything was held back. There is one place of salvation and it's there under the blood of an innocent victim. Christ died for sinners. Christ died for you. Christ died for me. And it's by his blood that I am free to worship and love God. And that's, the, that's what he said. When I read this, it says, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. Let him offer the sacrifice that Moses... There it is. It's all there in this verse. But when I read this, I also think back of... Um, some of you will know this better than me. I, know, I dabble in history. I don't really know history. Um, but uh, there was a man uh, in the Reformation named Bilney. Bilney was one of the martyrs. He died... A, he was burnt for his faith. But he was a student at Cambridge University. And his tutor was, it was, most of the tutors were in those days, they were priests and Catholic priests. And so Bilney became a, a Christian. He left the Catholic Church. He was just, oh, it's amazing, this wonderful life God's given me. And then he was persecuted. And Latimer was his chief persecutor. Latimer was one of the, his tutors at, at uh, Cambridge, and he persecuted him. And one day, Bilney said to him, can I come and make confession? So Latimer thought, oh good, he's coming back. He wants to come to me as his priest and make confession. So he came and he, he came and said, what, 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 do, what do you want to tell me, my son? He said, and Bilney said, I was a sinner, but I trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. He washed my heart and made it new. I'm born again. I'm saved. I'm free. He gave him his confession. <laughs> I've got a friend who, when he went through the um, customs, they said, have you got anything to declare? <laughs> he said, yes. <laughs> and uh, well, anyway. He went to Latimer and he said, Yes, I've got something to confess. Jesus Christ died for my sin and he's washed me and made me new. And Latimer was so struck, he gave his life to Christ. And uh, Latimer is, if you, if you know, some of you will be able to fill in the gaps, but Latimer himself later was also a martyr and he died in Oxford. But there you've got this, show yourself. Now let's just go to the last verse, last verse, and then we'll 
uh, it's in chapter 8, verse um, 17. It describes all the miracles he did, everything he ever did, but it then concludes with this statement, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And that's a good quotation. It's accurate. It's from Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is one of the great promises of, of salvation. It's that Messiah will carry away the sin of the world. It's, it's, it's an amazing prophecy. And here it's quoted. The, um, the strange thing about the prophecy of Isaiah is the tense. It's quite accurate here because this is three years before the cross. But Isaiah prophesied 700 years before the cross. And he said, he's done it. He didn't say, he'll do it. He said, he's done it. Now, I love, I love this. Uh, it's happened to me twice in my life that I went to a restaurant with a friend. It happened once in, uh, in, in, in I, went to, I go to the Bible school in Swansea. We went to this restaurant. I went with the principal. We were sitting there, started ordering our food, and uh, uh, we ate our meal. And uh, at the end of the meal, the waiter said, your meal is paid for. I thought, oh, that's nice. I said, what do you mean? He said, somebody has seen you over there and said they want to pay for your meal. I wish I'd known before I ordered. <laughs> you know, I might have had the lobster. Oh, no, 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 no. But you know what I mean? The point is, the point is that's happened twice. But um, they, they didn't know how much it would cost. But they said, whatever they order... I will pay. And, when, and the waiter believed. And so when, when, the, when the, whatever we ordered, he took the bill to that person. I, guess, I don't know how it worked. but he, uh, Anyway, it was already done. Now the person's word was bond for that waiter. He said, it's, it's, it's paid for. It's already paid for. Past tense, I love that. I'll tell you which restaurant I'm going to. <laughs> and uh, Anyway, the point is, it says here that Jesus, in the, before the foundation of the world, back there in Isaiah, God did it. What does that mean? It means that God said it. Now, what God says is, 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 is absolute and clear and unbreakable. As the, it's the foundation of the universe. The universe rests on God's faithfulness to his word. He cannot break it. He cannot change. He cannot be unfaithful. He cannot fail. God is faithful. God is true to his word. And here's his word. It's done. He's done it. So then, all through the centuries, up to the cross... Jesus, God, hands out blessings. He hands them out. 
Here he is. He gives a blessing to the leper. He gives a blessing to the centurion's servant. He heals Peter's mother, uh, mother-in-law. And all these blessings he hands out, the forgiveness, of, the raising of the dead. But everything he did had to be paid for. And it wasn't paid for by the, the sacrifice of animals. It was awaiting the day when he would pay for it. But now we look back. He did come. He did fulfill his plan. He did go to the cross. He was made a sacrifice for sin. God did lay our sin upon him. The sin of the whole world was laid on Jesus Christ. Why? So that human beings here in this place, in Shirley Hall, wherever you're listening, every place may hear this word because it is applied to every human being. Jesus Christ died for my sin, for your sin, that I might go free. And that sin's power be broken and my life be changed. That's why this whole event is so amazing, so beautiful. God so loved the world. You know that verse when it says God so loved the world? It's interesting that in English the word so has two meanings. In Greek it only has one. In English it can mean God so, so loved the world. Or it can mean God loved the world in this way. And that's what the Greek means. God loved the world in this way. He so loved the world in this way. This is how he loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. And I noticed when Jesus said that, because Jesus said that, that even then Jesus didn't say he will give his son in three years' time. He said he did it. Now, the thing I notice is this, about all this. When we look at the cross, we stand before an open door to God. We stand before the most powerful event in all eternity. When we come to the cross, we are standing before the most powerful one who ever lived. That's Jesus Christ, God incarnate. We're standing before the greatest act of God in all eternity. We're standing before the greatest revelation of God in all eternity. Calvary is this immense point of light that is the, the greatest revelation of God and the greatest act of God. Why? Because it is the omnipotence of God applied to you and me. And it's not destructive. It's healing. It's a surgeon. The cross is skilled. There's skill, there's precision, there's power, but it's, it's, it's used in such a way that he can take your life and take away the things that ruin your life and leave you still recognizably you. You could call the cross a filter that he could filter your life with the, through the cross and remove the muck and the grime and the horror and the darkness and yet you are still recognizably you and now you are free to be you. 
Because Jesus Christ has done it. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Let's just pray for a moment. Let's pray. And I want you to respond. If you want to receive him and uh, his power and say, Lord, uh, if you want to, you can change me. And he says, I want to. Doesn't the cross show you that? If you want that, just raise your hands to him and say, Lord, I do. I come to you right now. I raise my hands to you in surrender, to your life, to your cross, to your blood, to your power. Jesus Christ, I I surrender what I am into your hands. With gladness, with faith, with joy. Jesus, you know my heart. And if there's anything in your heart, just bring it to him now. Just say, Lord, take this away. If there's guilt over something you've done, Lord, wash that guilt away. Let the full power of the forgiveness of sins be yours right now. You are forgiven. And there is power to change your heart. Bring your heart. Everything. All is possible. Nothing shall be impossible with God. All things are possible. Nothing is too hard. And the outcome is so wonderful. Jesus Christ, we surrender our lives into your hand. I surrender my life into your hands. Now, and entrust my soul to you to be changed and new forever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the message today and pray that it would bless you in your life. And if you have any questions you would like to ask, then please email info at chasefamilychurch.com.